Good morning, church. Good morning, church family. Good morning, friends and neighbors. Good morning, world. <laughs> we are so delighted to be with you again this morning, and we are excited about the Word of God. Uh, and I want to just, a few things quickly. Just remember, share the Word. Share the Word. You know, you don't have to really kind of dig up anything. You can just pass it on. God will do the rest. Uh, so please, whatever you do, get active. Share the word. Amen. We're excited about what's been happening here recently, how God is just moving. We are being developed into strong believers. I thank God for our church. We have a strong church. Amen. We have a strong church. And, you know, I'm saying that by faith, but I'm also saying that by productivity. I've seen a lot of good things with the people that are in our ministry, and I want to thank you. Thank you for doing your part. Thank you because it's impossible for me to do it alone. It's impossible for me and my wife to do it alone, but we have good people. So, again, thank you guys uh, for all that you do. Thank you for being a very present help. Amen. And uh, so, with that in mind, we're going to get ready to get into the Word of God. I want to really just lay some things out there this morning as we continue our series uh, that we started on last week. So, let us pray and let's move forward. Lord, we thank you because you have given us an opportunity to sit at the Master's feet. We know that the Word of God uh, is not contained. We know that the Word of God is not bound. We know that the Word of God is all-powerful. So, therefore... We yield ourselves, spirit, soul, and body unto the Word of God, and we know that the Word that is taught this morning will continuously bring us to another level. As Paul said, he said, I commend you unto the Word of His grace that is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. So, by hearing the Word of God, we will be built up, we will be strong in the Lord, the power of your might, and our inheritance will be given unto us. So, we thank you for authority. And dominion over the enemy, there will be no interruptions for the word of God will go forward and settle into the hearts of every individual. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue uh, uh, our lesson as we started on last week. Uh, we started talking last week on the subject of uh, the king and the fool. And um, our emphasis this week is going to be on the king. If you didn't hear that last week, whatever you do, go back, replay it, get that word in you, uh, because it will give you a balance. You know, when we're talking about the king and the fool, you're going to have to have a balance, because if you only get the king, then the fool will overtake you. <laughs> Amen. So you need to know his strategies. The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, or he will get advantage of us. So... You go back and look at that. This week, our emphasis is going to be on the king. We start with the scriptures in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. And we know that the scripture says that, uh, that God made man in his own image, after his own likeness. Another translation says exact duplication in kind. And then it went on to say, around verse 28, it talked about that God gave him 
he gave him dominion, he gave him authority, and he told him to replenish the earth, subdue it. And he said, you are in total control. I give this to you. So I not only give you responsibility, but I give you abilities. Are you listening to what I'm saying? God will never give you responsibility over something that he will not empower you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you are under a circumstance, then you have lacked the knowledge that God has already given you authority because you carry that responsibility. Now let's continue to move on. So he gave him responsibility, he gave him ability to rule, to reign, and to subdue his circumstances. So you should not be under the circumstances. Amen. The Bible says you are the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. So you can subdue your circumstances. Now, what happened was, though, and as somebody says, what had happened is that we messed up. The man did. He did, and he yielded. He yielded to the voice that told him he no longer had to do it God's way. How many of you ever heard that voice? <laughs> Since you don't have to do it like God said do it. Not exactly, but we know God is a, a precise God. And if he gives you some instructions, that they are specific. So he said, I don't have to do it God's way. And he walked away from counsel. He walked away from instructions. And most of all, he walked away from his protection. Are you listening? And that's what we tend to do when we walk away from God. We leave some things on the table, some things that will benefit us. Now, so um, the stage was set then for man to live a life of struggling, a life uh, of struggling between good and evil, right and wrong, light and darkness, peace and confusion. And that was the, the that was the uh, uh, that was the product of him walking away. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So now listen to this. Uh, and he had to struggle the in between. The king and the fool. And we will go into that. We will explain it. I won't rehash everything, but I will give you enough so you can build if you were not here on last week. However, uh, it says, see, the day God, the day man rejected God's voice, the king in him died. It died. Remember the Bible says in Genesis, it says, the day that you eat of the fruit. We'll go to that scripture again. As a matter of fact, you can turn to Genesis, the second chapter, and I'll meet you there. Okay? But uh, the day he rejected God's voice, the king of him died, and the fool took over. The fool began to reign in mankind. Are you listening? So inside of every man, we established this, there lives a duplicity of natures, the king and the fool. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, and let's, let's begin to build on this. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, God was giving man instruction. He was giving him a mandate in the garden. And God said to him, he said, listen, the day, he said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Not possibly die. You shall surely die. Well, we know that uh, ultimately when man disobeyed God, you know, he went on to have children. 
So we know that this death that God was talking about was not necessarily a physical death, although it does encompass that because the physical death then began to be progressive. And you can go all the way back to Adam. You can go back to Methuselah. You can go all the way back to Moses. You can go all the way back. And you can see that progressively man began to live less and less and less years because death was taking over and progressively it was killing man. But what God was saying, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Or he didn't say the day that you eat of it, you shall begin to die. But that was just a byproduct of him disobeying God. But he said, the very day you will die. Now, what was God talking about? He was talking about that man who had walked with him and had shared fellowship in the garden. He was talking about that man that was able to name every animal without duplicating them. He was talking about that man that could just speak things into existence. He was talking about that man that, that was in total control of his circumstances. He was talking about that man that was ruling, reigning, had authority, and executed authority with dominion. And this man was not subject to anybody but God. That's the man that died, the king. Are you listening? So after that man had a damaged soul and he was confused. And many people are like that today. And that is a result. The Bible says in Romans, by one man's disobedience, all men were made sinners. And by one man's obedience, all men were made righteous. Are you listening? Now, it's talking about Adam, his disobedience, and it made all men sinners because we all came from Adam. You, you see what I'm saying? That's why there's no such thing as an inferior race, because there was not several races that was born. Otherwise, God would have had to create every day a different race. He created man in Genesis 1.26, a man, and all came from him. we just different shades, okay? <laughs> so, what happened here is, is that the king died. That was the end of his authority because he subjected himself. Are you listening? He subjected himself to another entity, which he made him subordinate, and man went from son to slave. Are you listening? See, because he was a son because God ruled and reigned over him. But then when he subordinated himself over to another voice, he became slave. And that's the very reason why most people today, they have to be forced to do things. That's that nature, rising up. You have to be forced. Every little thing that you do, it's not, not much of it is done willfully, but you have to be forced. See, a son has rights. A slave doesn't. And so when you lost that nature from that point on, you were dominated. Now, let's continue to go on because we're talking about the king and the fool. He said, the day that you eat is thereof, you shall surely die. Now, let me go on and continue. Man could no longer re rule and reign, but he was introduced to shame, fear, confusion. His first impulse was to flee the presence of God. That's the first thing he did. When God call him into accountability, he said, Adam, where art thou? We know God did not lose him geographically. God is omniscient. He knows all things. 
When he asked Adam, where are, oh, where are you, Adam? He was trying to get Adam to come into a confrontation with himself, to acknowledge, I've walked away from you, God. I have fled your presence. When he asked us the same thing, where are you? He's trying to get you to acknowledge because the Bible says, he said, I will go and return to my place until you acknowledge your offenses. In other words, God won't leave you, but he will leave your circumstances. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So he said, I'll go back and I'll sit down until you become transparent and realize I'm not where I used to be. I'm not serving you like I used to. I don't have holiness and righteousness in my life. The world has really come in and has has has, has diluted my Christianity, diluted my righteousness. And now, if you didn't know, and if I didn't mention God, you wouldn't know I was saved. Are you listening? I'm, I'm trying to help you this morning because we're going to bring this thing back to the king. Now. He fled the presence of God and he covered himself and covered his actions, which we understand God rejected. By covering his actions, what happened? God said to him when he took those fig leaves and covered himself, God said, that's not good. He said, I don't accept that. Neither does God accept it when we try to cover ourselves because God made provisions for us to be covered, but it required blood to be shed. It did in the garden, and it does now. The, 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 the lamb that was slain in the garden, God took the, 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 the skins and covered Adam. And see, without the shedding of blood, the Bible says in Romans, there is no remission of sin. It takes the shedding of blood. The blood represents a covenant. I'm not going to get into a lot of this, but that's the reason why God said that when a man and a woman get married, he wants them to be virgins. Good luck with that. However, why? Because when they are, when they, when, when their marriage is consummated, there is the shedding of blood when there are two virgins. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so it constitutes a covenant. So therefore, God says then, he says, there, you shouldn't even put, put away your wife except for the violation of the covenant. That's another subject. These are just nuggets. Just take them and just put them in your little satchel and, 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 and store them up for a later time. Because we're moving on to, to the king. So the new birth is all about resurrecting that fallen king. It's about bringing that king back into existence once again. But see, God did not rebuild us with old parts. He did not rebuild us with the old stuff. God created that new king out of nothing, like he did in Genesis, I mean, uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. The Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things we see did not come from something that was already here. When God created the new birth, and we will go there too in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. What does that mean when it says that old things are passed away? Well, if somebody passed away, that means old things died. And then it says, behold, all things are become new. Behold simply emphasizes, look and see. All things are become new and all things, verse 18 starts out by saying, all things are of God. 
So what we have here now is a whole new creation. We have a whole new nature. And so the difference between us and the unbeliever is the unbeliever has a sin nature. We no longer have a sin nature. However, we retain a sin conscience. And our conscience must be renewed. And the more your conscience is renewed, your mind is renewed, the more it can be compatible with your new nature and the more you can live in righteousness. When your mind is not renewed and you have a new nature, you can train and teach your new nature to live like your old nature and thus people see you and it looks like nothing ever happened. Does it make any sense? Are you following me? Now, let's go on. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 5. Very familiar scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we know the scripture, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And as we stated before, all things are of God. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. Are you listening? And it's talking about with Jesus. We are buried with him in the back, baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Now, did you get that? Just like Christ was raised from the dead, the Bible says even so we should walk in the newness of life. In Christ, the king is resurrected. The king is resurrected, and then there is a mandate on your life to walk in the newness of life. Most people were born again and have still have no understanding of what their purpose is. Your purpose is hid in the life of Christ. That's why the Bible says, uh, in Colossians, it says, your life is hid with Christ in God. Therefore, set your affections on the things that are above what Christ said at the right hand of the Father. Set your affections. Setting your affections is something that you do mandatory. It's not automatic. You have to set your affections at the, at the, uh, on the things that are Christ, like you set a thermostat. See, if you didn't notice, God created you as a thermostat. That's why he said, set your affections. You set your affections. If you want it to be 80 degrees, you set the thermostat at 80 degrees. If you want to be righteous, you set your affections on righteous things. You, But see, what happened is most people were not a thermostat. They are a thermometer. They don't, they don't affect the atmosphere. They reflect the atmosphere. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So what God is saying to you is set your affections. If you don't, you know, your faith will take you to the point of your focus. If you don't have a focus on righteousness, if you don't have a focus on your purpose, if you don't have a focus on your mandate in God, you can never live that way. Why? Because you can only go to the level of where you set your affections. That's why the Bible says that where your treasures is, there will your heart be also. So your affections are your treasures. And if you only deem natural things, if you only deem covetous things, if you only deem material things, then you can never live above that. 
That was the problem with the rich young ruler. Jesus said, go take what you got, sell and give to the poor, and then you will have treasures in heaven. And the Bible says he was grieved because he had great possessions or great possessions had him. So you can never live above your affections. If you don't love God, you can't live for God. If you like God, that's as far as you're going. <laughs> Are you listening? If you like what God does for you, that's as far as you're going. If you don't have a passion, and you know the commandments, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all your strength. But if you don't, you can never go beyond your affections. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that like God. <laughs> a lot of people that like God. Then there's another group that like what God does for them. But then there are very few straight as, as that gate <laughs> is in the path to righteousness uh, that love God. God is primary with them. So they always try to please him. They always try to monitor their actions, their words, their, 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 their things. They, they don't want to displease him. Those are the ones that love God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Just throwing some things out there. There's going to be a whole lot of nuggets. I can tell. That's just going to just flow out. And uh, <laughs> I'll go back later and look at it too. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just trying to just help you and put some things out there. Now, the Bible says that we should walk in the newness of life. When that king is resurrected, now you have to be trained or developed how to reign again because you are so used by nature of being dominated. You know, when you live that life of a slave, then even when God sets you free under pressure, there is a great temptation to conform back to, the, to, sla to slave, slavery. That we found that evident in the children of Israel when they left Israel. And the Bible says that when they got out there in the, in the wilderness, between that proverbial rock and hard place, when the pressure was on, the Red Sea was in front, Pharaoh was behind, they started accusing Moses. They said, I wish to God you'd have left us back there in Egypt. We could have died back there. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? See, they reverted back. And that's what happens to us. The same thing. Under pressure, you will revert back to slavery. You are a son, you have authority, you have dominion, you have rights. And if you don't develop your mindset and your mentality to match your position, you can never reign. Because your mind or lack of development will always keep pulling you back down to the level of slavery. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So, let us move on. Uh, I got a lot to say. And uh, so the Bible says when God resurrected that king that was on the inside of you, that's what Jesus came to reposition us, to reestablish us, to put us back where we were in the very beginning. See, people think that it's about just do's and don'ts. Well, the do's and don'ts really is instructions. It's just to tell you how to live this new life. You can't take that old mind and live a new life. You can't. So there are instructions, but we perceive them as rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. They do encompass do's and don'ts. However, it is instructions to tell you how to get back what you lost. Are you listening? So now here, 
when man had the king resurrected in him by the new birth, by Jesus, the fact that now we can live like we used to, as a son, not a slave, in fellowship with God, not wandering, it was done by the will of God. Not because we were special in ourselves, but the new birth and the resurrected king, just like Jesus, he came in order to be a sacrifice, but he was also predestined to be resurrected. We were predestined to be resurrected as well. How do I know this? <clears throat> because the Bible says uh, in St. John chapter 1 and verse 12, as many as received him, gave he to them power to become sons of God, which were born not of the will of, of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of men, but of the will of God. Did you get that? We were resurrected not by the will of flesh, not by the will of man, not by the will of blood. We were resurrected by the will of God. God had that in his hip pocket the whole time to bring us back to a place of prominence. And that you can be a believer and still live below your level because you don't know. That's why it's important to become a student of the word of God. Because you need to know your rights. Why would we, you know, if Aunt Minnie died, man, we'll go down to the lawyer's office and we, man, will almost come to blows with our relatives over that 25-inch floor model TV. Because that's mine. Aunt Minnie left that to me. Or that 72 Ford Pinto that's up on bricks. Oh, that's mine. I could do something with that. We, we would learn everything we can about what was left to us. But now, spiritually speaking... We leave everything on the table and we allow the devil as believers to drag us around through life, giving us what he wants us to have. And, and remember, he made that statement. See, he was talking about not, he was talking about you and I as well when we don't know. He said to Jesus when he took him on the high pinnacle, he said unto him and showed him all of the kings of the world in a moment's time. He said, if you will subordinate yourself unto me like Adam did. I'll give you all of this stuff and the glory thereof. Listen to this. For it has been delivered unto me to give it to whosoever I will. That's why the Bible calls him the God of this world. And Christians flow behind the God of this world trying to get a TV, trying to get a car, trying to get all of this stuff. And the devil will lead you around by your nose so you won't follow God. That's why the Bible says in 1 uh, uh, John chapter 2, in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are of the Father and not of the world. Verse 17 says, And the world passeth away, and the lust and the desires thereof, but he that stays with God and continue with God will abide for Ever. See, many people are trying to bring fruit of themselves. But the Bible says that the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. You can't bear fruit of yourself. You can't resurrect the king. 
You can try to be a king, but you can't resurrect the king. Are you listening? Now, let us let us go. And I think this is worth mentioning. Uh, I shared this uh, the, uh, the other day. And this is just food for thought. There is no way you can overcome your situations, your predicaments without God. I don't care how smart you are. You can have more de uh, degrees than a thermometer. You can be as wise as you think you are. But guess what? The Bible says in the book of Genesis that there is a law of the seed and the seed maintains integrity and the seed is within itself. So if you put an orange seed in the ground, an apple will not come up. If you put a pear seed in the ground, you can't get bananas. The seed has integrity. The seed that is in itself. So what does that mean? That simply means that if the, 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 the iniquities from our forefathers that harassed us and harassed our lives will rise up and control you and there ain't nothing you can do about it. You know why? Because the seed is not external. The seed is in itself. You were born by that seed. So the seed is internal and it will control you unless the anointing destroys the yoke. A yoke pull two things together and keep them bound. But the anointing destroys that yoke. And when the anointing destroys that yoke, then you're separated from the fool and you can live like a king. But otherwise, you can think what you want. You can act like you want. You can believe what you want. That fool will continue to lead you around because you yoked to him. Why? Because it took a seed for you to be born. And that seed was not of the Holy Ghost. So you hook to your iniquities and the things that you're dealing with in your life will continue till you die. Unless the anointing separates you from it. You will live a life led by the fool. Let me move on. Let me move on, Lord. Help me. <laughs> Let me move on. So, uh, this is the deal. You walk in the newness of life. But there is a difference between continuing in sin. No, I mean, there's a difference in continuing to sin and continuing to live in sin. There's a difference. Continuing to sin is going to happen because the food is present. But to continue to live in sin is because the food is in control. Uh, listen to what the Bible says. He that is born of God sinneth not. Now, does that mean that you just stop sinning when you get? No, it means that you don't practice sin. But if you practice sin and you're living in sin, the fool is in control. The fool is, is leading you. And if the blind lead the blind, both of y'all shall fall into a ditch. But to continue to sin, periodically, is because the fool Every now and then gets the upper hand. <laughs> That's why 1 John 1 and 9 says that if you confess your sins and the stuff that the fool did, God will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all old nature, all unrighteousness. Are you listening? Now, Revelations. Let's go to Revelations chapter 1. And now we, we, we're getting ready to talk about some stuff that's going to take you to another level. Revelations chapter 1. When you get it, say amen. I heard you. <laughs> I heard you. 
Say it one more time. Say amen. All right. Praise God. Uh, Revelation chapter 1. Let's, we'll begin looking at verse uh, 4. The Bible says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. The Bible says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first, listen, the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. If there's a first, then there got to be some more behind it. He's the first. Now, did not the Bible call him king of, you getting it, king of kings. So he's talking about those who have had the king resurrected in them. He's not talking about those that are still in fool status. Are you listening? Because that king needs to be resurrected. So now listen to me. And the Bible says, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loves us and washed us from our sins in his blood. Verse 6 is powerful. And have made us kings and priests unto our God, his Father. To him be glory and dominion. Glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen or so be it. Now, the Bible says he is, he has made us kings and priests. The difference between the kings and priests Number one, let me just say this. Christians fulfill a dual role, both secular and spiritual. As secular and spiritual rulers, kings and priests. The king makes the decree. The priest intercedes. Are you listening to me? See, the Bible says that I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. He's talking about the king. Because of St. John chapter 9, 31, he's only talking about the kings. The Bible says, And we know God heareth not a sinner, but if any is a worshiper of him and doeth his will, him he heareth. That's John 9, 31. So we're talking about the king here. Because the king has a mandate to intercede. And I'm not going to get into all of that. Uh, you know, because everybody, ah, you know, and I prayed. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, you don't understand your, the prayers that God answers with somebody else's. But, you know, we're not getting ready to go through that and trying to trying to convince you of that. Just keep living. <laughs> You'll see what I'm saying. All right, let's move on here. So the Christians fulfill a dual role, both secular and spiritual rulers. The reason why many times that we don't fulfill that role as uh, as rulers is because of poor work ethics, poor work habits. Are you listening? We don't really, we don't really step to the back. And see, there's. A, let me show you something. You got to see this. You got to see that. Uh, the Bible says. Uh, oh man, let me see what it is. It's in. It's in Joel. And I thought that I had put it down, but it's in Joel. Somebody, you you can find it for me if you, if you would. Uh, let me do this. 
I'll, I'll, I'll find it really quickly because it's, it's, it's very important that you see this. I had it pulled up, and I know it's in Joel, and I'm going to find it. Got it. I know it was in Joel. Listen to what this says about us being kings and priests. Let the priests, Joel 2.17, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say amongst the people, Where is their God? Now, he said that the ministers of the Lord let them weep between the porch and the altar. Now, I'm going to throw this out here to you really quickly. I want you to keep this in, in mind for, 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 for teaching's sake. The porch and the altar. The porch represents public ministry. That's where the king stands on the porch, where he can be seen. Public ministry. The altar is private ministry. That's where the priest is. He said, ministering to the Lord, praying for the people. If my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, and then will I hear from heaven, and then will I hear the land. Second Chronicles 7, 14. He's telling you, you have dual ministry. This is the problem right here. Your private ministry determines the strength of your public ministry. If you are a king and a priest and you have no private ministry, then you have a weak public ministry. You see a lot of people out here trying to preach the word of God, minister the word of God, tell everybody in the family what to do and how to be saved and all of that, but they have no private ministry. And because you have no private ministry, stuff that can't be seen, the Bible says that what God sees you do in secret, he will reward you openly. That's why Jesus always went up into the mountain to pray. That was his private ministry. But then when he came down off the mountain, he came down and his word was with power. That's because he built himself up in the private ministry. So when he stepped into his public ministry, he had the manifestation. You don't get anointed because you want to be. You get anointed because you have spent time with God. Many people are talking to their situation, telling their mountain to move, and their mountain won't move. Their mountain is still looking at them. They're living a life of in the shadows of the mountain because they have no private ministry. They spend no time with God. They are not building themselves up on their most holy faith. They are not able to come out on the porch and say anything. That's where your king operates. When you come out, and you decree a thing, and you establish a thing. Are you listening to me? You don't get anointed because you feel like I'm saved. I'm, in enti I'm entitled to be anointed. No, you don't. There's levels of anointing, and it comes by you spending time, personal time, with God. That's why at the last minute, you all of a sudden want to just stand up and pull down the mountains and shout down and, oh, my God. That's why you always have to run to other people that you think is anointed because you know that you haven't spent time with God. And the Bible says if your heart condemn you, God is greater than your heart. But if your heart condemn you not, then have you confidence toward God. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to preach you down. I'm trying to help you and let you know this is the reason why. It's not you are waiting on God. He's waiting on you to be anointed. <laughs> are you listening? What does the anointing do? The anointing, Isaiah 10, 27, removes the burden, destroys the yoke. You get anointed in private. It's like a fighter. When the fighter get in the ring and start fighting, that's not where the fight was won. It was won when he was running five miles. It was won when he was hitting that punching bag. It was won when he was watching his diet. All of these things won the fight. The result came out in the ring. So that's when your results come out. When you stand before the enemy and you begin to declare something and it never happens. <laughs> it's because you didn't run the five miles. <laughs> Guys, you ought to know we can't walk in this thing without doing nothing. That doesn't work. It's going to cost you something. God never intended for you to be yoke free. Now, let me qualify that statement. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, he said, destroy the yoke of the enemy. Destroy the yoke of the fool and take mine on. Tie yourself to me. Abide in me. Stay in me. Oh, let me finish this. Oh, Jesus. What is a decree? When you stand forth as a king, what is a decree? It is a formal and authoritative order, especially one having the force of law behind it. <laughs> there are laws that we live by. And when you say what God said, that law is already established. You are just repeating what God said. You didn't make it happen. You just agreed with it. Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? We're trying to, and the Bible says that the enemy will try to change the laws and word the saints out. Let me move on. <clears throat> I'm getting ready to close with this. Job 22 and 28 says, if you decree a thing, it shall be established. Talking about the king. If you decree a thing, it shall be established. So when you say in the name of Jesus, devil, I take your hands off of my money. Take your hands off of my children. Take your hands off my husband. Take your hands off of my wife. Take your hands off of my career. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you decree a thing and it shall be established. Why? Because you got some altar ministry. You got some altar ministry. So when you stand forth in the, in, in the king's stead and you decree a thing, this is something God has already mandated for your life. Are you listening? So as a king, when you decree a thing, it shall be established. Now, I'm, I'm going to go to Ecclesiastes really quickly. Chapter 8. I'm almost done with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And listen to what it says in verse 4. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Oh, Jesus, did you get that? Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Who's going to question you when you walk in your king, your kingly rights? Who can question you? Because the Bible says, come, let us reason together so that thou may be as justified when, when, when you stand forth and you declare. God said, you'll be justified 
Did you hear this? You'll be justified. Matthew chapter 12 said you will be justified. He said because when you stand forth in the day of judgment, that's the day you decree a thing. It shall be established. you got to get there. You're not under the circumstance. You just hadn't allowed that king to rise up on the inside of you. And this is my last scripture right here. Go to Micah chapter 4. I want to I want to say this to you. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm getting wired up right now, but don't worry about that. Micah chapter 4. Listen to this. Listen, I'm going out with a bang right here. Listen to this. What is it you don't like in your life? What are you tired of in your life? What are you fed up with in your life? What are you putting up too long with in your life? Listen to what Micah chapter 4 says. Now, why does thy Christ allow? God is saying, what you crying for? Are you listening to me? He said, is there no king in thee? Whoo! You got it. He said, why are you whining? Why are you crying? Why are you complaining? Why are you frustrated? Why are you jacked up? Why are you messed up? He said, is there no king in thee? You've been born again. The king been resurrected. And you've been ignoring him just like you've been ignoring God. The king is waiting on you to rise up and empower him to take over your territory, to take over your kingdom, to take over all you possess, to take over all you own. The king is sitting there willing his thumbs just like God. He's sitting beside God. He's saying, I don't know what they're waiting on. I've been waiting on a command so I can go forward and declare and establish laws in their life that the enemy can't cross. I'm waiting on them. Why are you crying? He said, he said, is there no king in thee? In the, is thy counselor perished? Did he die? Where is your counselor? Where is the king in you? For the pains have taken thee as a woman with travail. In other words, you're sitting up there jacked up like you got birth pains. And you got a king in you who can deliver you. Whoo, hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, if you are a believer right now, I don't care what you know or what you don't know. Know this. There's a king in you waiting to be developed. Waiting. To run your life. Waiting to reestablish you. Waiting to bring you back from the edge of destruction. There's a king in you. You're living beneath your privilege because you allow it. There is a king in you. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1. The righteous is bold as a lion. And if you don't have that boldness no more, that's because that king is still sleep on the inside of you and the counselor is perished. Lord, I thank you right now. <clears throat> I thank you right now. Your people heard this. I thank you right now that the anointing falls on them right now. Lord, reach on the inside of them and tap that king and wake that king up. In the name of Jesus, wipe their tears, Lord, for they don't need to be crying. They got a king on the inside of them. Let them rise up from obscurity and let God arise and not allow themselves to sit there and to be taken over by the fool. They're not led by the fool. The fool is a slave. But, Lord, they are sons and daughters of God. Arise, king, on the inside of them. Jesus is not the king of fools. He's the king of kings. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you right now for the grace that's on them right now. Thank you for the power that's on them right now. The glory that's on them right now. Never again will they walk as a pauper. Never again should they walk as a slave. But the king is on the inside of them. Rising up right now. In the name of Jesus, for unto our God that have made us both kings and priests. Church, you need to know, if there is no, no private ministry, your king will be silenced. If you don't spend no time with God behind the scenes, your king has authority. But your priest will give him dominion. Authority without dominion is just a title. Dominion is authority executed. You don't like what's in your life? Empower your king. I hope you've been blessed by the word of God. I'm telling you right now, I am lit this morning. I'm, boy, I'm telling you, it blessed my soul. I hope you got something out of it. So, Listen to God. Listen to God. I'm saying again to you, partner with us. Listen, we're going somewhere. Partner with us. Don't just be a spectator. Get involved. Amen. Get involved. I thank all of you who have who, who support us with your prayers and your monetary gifts. I thank all of you who support us, uh, support us with your attendance. I thank all of you. I'm telling you, take it to another level. There's a king in you. Wake him up. So until I see you again, if Jesus tarry, whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, make sure that it ain't the fool that's doing it. Let the king do it so you can not only make it real, you can keep it real.